0: We're talking about unexpected things happening, and I just wonder, what would be unexpected in your life? Most of you have pretty good expectations about what's going to happen, right? I mean, most of you probably got up this morning, and some of you may have forgotten, oh, the church will probably be decorated, but thought, well, there are going to be some Christmas carols, and we came in and we sang, and we sang angels from the... We sang about angels singing glory, and it sounded like a funeral dirge in here. When's the last time something unexpected happened for you? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I mean we were here a couple of weeks ago in the early service, right? I started preaching, was going good, and was trying to get over a difficult Saturday where Tennessee had been beaten, and the door opens back here, and let me just tell you, just for those of you that think that was a cute idea and you wanted I have people strategically placed for security that attack people that come on stage during the sermon, all right? You know, you saw James Glennon walk across, waving a Vanderbilt flag, and everything seemed to be kind of, it was funny, right? It was unexpected. Well, let me just tell you that that's not where the unexpected stopped for me. Friday night, I was uh, sitting at home. There was a football game going on Friday night. Anybody know there's a football game going on Friday night, right? Beach High School, state champs, Right? It's all right. you can clap, that's good, good. we're beach fans around here. That's where my boys will go to high school, and so we're excited, and we were there watching the beach game, and I was sitting there, and I don't know what it's like at your house, but at my house there are four children, and so calm is not a word that is used much in my house until about 10 o'clock at night, and on this particular moment, it was while the game was on, and... The phone rang, and the phone rang, and I did not pick it up, and here's the reason I did not pick it up, is because at that moment, I had Ava on my left side, Maddie was climbing on my head, and Luke was jumping down up and down in front of me, yelling, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. That's not really the best time to talk. And so I didn't answer the phone, and no voicemail was left immediately. And so I thought, well, nothing really is going, uh, nothing really, you know, important must have been said, or it was a wrong number or something like that. Well, a few minutes later, the voicemail came. I'm going to play the voicemail for you. Is that okay? We're going to attempt this. This is new. I'm going to put my phone up to the mic and try to play this for you. It was a little unexpected. Pastor Wilson, hey, this is uh, James Franklin. I just wanted to thank you so much for coming out with that black and gold on. And, uh, Did you hear who that was? I'll play it one more time, all right? Pastor Watson, hey, this is uh, James Franklin. I just wanted to thank you so much for coming out with that black and you know, You know who James Franklin is, don't you? He's the coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Now, here's what happened, apparently. He was at that little game, that beach game, and some people had the opportunity to meet James Franklin and socialize with him and say hello, and the most important thing they had to tell him was that their pastor was a Tennessee fan. And he said, well, let me call him. Now, I don't know the last time you got a call from a head coach of an SEC football team, but that's my first in a while, all right? What happens when something unexpected happens in your life? What 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 does it mean, unexpected? There he is right there. That's actually, by the way, him on the phone with me or my voicemail. And that is a special message that Maggie Sternberg got him to send to me, which is the Vanderbilt University sign. Alright, let's get back to important stuff like Scripture, alright? So what do I, when I say unexpected, what, what does that mean? What's that? You're not looking for it? Not planned? It's something different? It's not what you would have thought would happen, Right? I was thinking this through a couple of months ago as God was kind of laying this series on my heart and some things were happening. And um, There are very few words that could describe the first Christmas better than unexpected. I mean, think about it. The participants were unexpected, right? I mean, Mary was an unwed or betrothed young girl when the news came to her. Joseph was a man who had married her, but had not done anything that would jeopardize God's plan. The first people there were shepherds. The king of kings was born in a manger in an out of the way town where nobody knew. That's not how I would have planned it. It was unexpected. And as I thought about the first Christmas, and I thought about the unexpectedness of the first Christmas, I couldn't help but also think, when was the last time something unexpected happened at Christmas for me? Something out of the ordinary, unplanned. Now, here's the truth, unexpected can be good or it can be bad. And some of you may be able to say, well, Pastor, I remember really well something unexpected happened last Christmas, and it was terrible. I hated it. I didn't like it. When was the last time something really caught you off guard? Startled you? Stopped you in your tracks and made you rethink things? This Christmas, what I want to do and what I want us to do is to Ask the Lord for something unexpected. Now, here's the truth. If we're going to ask the Lord for something unexpected, then you and I need to be prepared to do things that are unexpected. Not ordinary. Not normal. Not what we always do. Did that number surprise any of you on how much Americans spend? Billions. And billions of dollars. It doesn't surprise me when I drive through Rivergate on Saturday afternoon during Christmas. But think about how a simple event in an out-of-the-way place has become the most complicated season of the year. We're asking the Lord this year for an unexpected Christmas. Take your Bibles and turn to, chapter, to Luke chapter 2. One of the things that I like to do when I read through Scripture or when I read through different elements of Scripture, especially passages that are very, very familiar to me, is I like to try to see them from a different perspective. And so, you know, when you read the Christmas story, it's one of those stories that most of you have read every year of your life. You've heard read in different places by different people in different ways. It becomes very familiar. You you might not be able to quote it if I just said quote it, but if I started reading it, your mind would almost be reading ahead. You know what I mean? The next words would come as I'm reading because you're so familiar with it. And so this morning what I want us to do is to look At a particular passage of Scripture, and sometimes the way you do that is that you look at it from a different perspective, which we're going to do a little bit, but sometimes it's just to focus in on what is very familiar in bite-sized pieces. And so we're going to spend a lot of time today really on one verse out of this entire story, but I want to tell a story around it from a perspective that you might not think of. And the one that I want to talk about is when the angels came to the shepherds, right? Right? Now, a lot of times we would like to think, well, the people that had the most unexpected first Christmas at all were the shepherds. And that would probably be true, right? Shepherds were not highly thought of. In fact, shepherds were considered thieves and people you didn't want your kids hanging out with especially the shepherds that had the night shift, because their lone job was to make sure sleeping sheep stay asleep. And yet on this particular night, as these night watchmen, these shepherds who are there, are keeping watch, as the song says, over their flocks by night, suddenly the skies open up. And here's what's interesting about this. It says and. We're going to focus on verse 14 really, but it says that the angel of the Lord stood before him and it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The the phrase there means that the glory of God was in that place in such a way that there was no escaping it. This is the same kind of glory that descended on the temple when they couldn't even get in because God's glory had filled the place. You're standing there, the angel of the Lord, the glory shine, and the shepherds are terrified. Now, I want us to think about it from the shepherds' perspective in just a minute, but I also want to think about the angels' perspective. This is the announcement they've been waiting on for generations. And from the angels' perspective, I am sure, and I don't claim to have insight into the thoughts of angels, but if they were humans, they would think, This ought to be a grand occasion. Let's go to the temple. Let's get when everybody's around. And let's announce it in a way that nobody can deny it happened. Let's wait a couple of thousand years until there's television sets in every home. And we can make an announcement that will go worldwide in seconds. To where Twitter and Facebook and the internet will show it within minutes of it happening. Let's wait till then. And as they're waiting anxiously for the moment that God says, go, and to the place that He sends them, He tells them, it's time. Where are we going, Lord? Are we going to the temple? Are we going over to uh, the Pharisee's house? Are we going to the ruler's house? Are we going to Rome? Where are we going? He said, you're going to shepherds out in the field. And this is what I love about this little piece of Scripture. It's one of the few places in Scripture where there is a combined worship service between angels and men. At least that we can see. Think about that for a minute. You ever heard somebody say, Boy, she sang with the voice of an angel? Imagine what it would have been like to really be in the presence of. Of a multitude of angels. And I think what is telling in this place is that the song they sing is typical of worship throughout Scripture. Look at verse 14. Praising God, and by the way, it doesn't say they're singing, but it was... Worship from the heart with words of praise. And so whether there was melody behind it or not, their hearts, their angelic beings were singing. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people He favors. That's a little different than what you grew up with, right? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. This is a better translation than the King James that says this translation that to the people He favors or to those whom He calls His own. And here's what it basically means is that worship was at the center of the first Christmas and if we're going to have an unexpected Christmas in our own lives, it has to be the center of what we do as well. The video towards the end said that It started with worship and it always starts with worship. Can I tell you a secret of an unexpected Christmas is to turn this month into a month-long worship celebration of the Savior. Now I don't mean you're going to sing songs 24 hours a day. What I mean is you're going to give yourself completely to the one who came. Now listen, it is easy to get lost in everything else. I was thinking about this just a minute ago, sitting down here, because people on this side have a good view of the nativity set that we've got here, right? You know what's interesting is, if you're sitting back there, the one person you can't see in the nativity is who? Jesus, right? Because He's tiny. Now, it would look weird to make a really big baby and put up here, right? It would, alright? Okay, I'm just making sure. But, it's easy To get lost in everything else and lose the Savior at the center. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people He favors. And so what I'm going to ask for you this Christmas, this season, is to worship Christ fully. First of all, worship Him fully for who He is. Verse 14 basically reminds us that God is glorious. Glory to God. That doesn't mean give Him more glory. What that means is as people of God, as the earth bound humans that we are, we must recognize that God is supreme and infinite and awesome and words cannot describe who He is. God is infinitely awesome. There is no way that you or I could ever come to fully understand how amazing He is. But what we're responsible with is dealing with what we have had revealed to us. I mean, the God that we're talking about, the God that they are glorifying, the God who sent His Son, the God in the manger is not our size. He's not a little bit bigger than us. He's not greater than us just a little bit. He doesn't have to deal with barriers and limitations. He is infinitely awesome. Before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It doesn't say you were God. It says you are God. He is beyond us. He just simply is. Our brains cannot comprehend the magnitude of the glory of God. We cannot begin to think of what it's like to be infinite. Because our lives are defined by our own limitations. He has no limits, never running out, no end, existing forever, unbound, timeless, stuff we can't fully comprehend. God's never tired. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anybody. If all of us happen to fall off the face of the earth at this moment, God will still be exactly who He is. If every one of us were to abandon the worship of Him, He remains exactly the same. His greatness does not depend on us. If not one single person on earth ever chose to respond to Him and love, believing in Him and worshiping Him, God would still be all that He already is, all that He always has been, all that He always will be. God is glory. To God in the highest. Scripture writer wrote, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable are His ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay Him? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You know, what's interesting is science seems to be gaining ground every day. And it's amazing how we think we can control things. Anybody see this week that there was a plot about 50 to 100, 50, 75 years ago to blow up the moon? Anybody see that? How many of you saw that? Guess who came up with it? We did. The United States of America was going to send a nuclear bomb to the moon to show the Soviets that we were powerful. Never mind the catastrophic events that would happen if we blew up the moon. Now, we think we can control things, right? Here's what I think is interesting. What's the farthest man has ever traveled? To that same moon, right? The moon is the closest thing in our solar system to us. Now, think about what God has done. He has created a galaxy... That has billions of stars. Our sun is average at best. Our Milky Way galaxy is one among billions. Each housing billions of stars. We'll never see the tiniest fraction of those that exist. Here's what scripture says about God. Lift your eyes. And look to the heavens. And who created all of these? Who brings out the starry host one by one? And calls them by name? Because of His power and strength, not one is missing. Glory to God. Anytime as a believer in Jesus Christ you think your problems are too big, it means you have lost a sense of the God that we serve. And anytime you think that anybody can hijack the Christmas season, you have lost a sense of the glory of God. Worship Him for who He is. And then, worship Him fully For what he does. You know the fact that we have an infinitely awesome God. Is not the most unexpected and shocking thing. About this whole story. Verse 14 says. That he brings peace on earth. To the people he favors. This infinitely awesome God. Stooped to our level to rescue us. Look what the angels say when they first get there. Back up a little bit in verse 10. Don't be afraid. For look, I have good news of great joy that will be for all the people today. A Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. The angels say, there has been a seismic shift in the working of the world. Because today, God has come for you. He has come to rescue you. He has come to save you. The angel actually uses the verb form of the word that we get the word gospel from. The angel basically says, I am gospelizing you today. I am giving you the gospel, the good news, and it is this. Today, for you, a Savior has been born. Do you realize how wretched, poor, pitiful, and blind we all are without Christ? Sometimes I don't think we do, because if we did, this would not be an issue. If you and I realized how far away and desperate we are without Jesus Christ, worshiping Him for what He has done would not be an issue in our lives. Because He has taken us from the scrap heap, from the gates of hell itself, and rescued us to be with Him forever. He has given us the greatest Gift that could ever be imagined. And that is not some cliche that we throw out at Christmas to make people feel jealous about not talking about Jesus enough. It is the absolute, unadulterated truth that you will never receive anything more valuable than the fact that the King of the universe came for you. And yet we live our lives with such normalcy. This Christmas I'm gonna ask you to worship him with everything you are. Worship Him with all you are. I know you got grandchildren that want presents. I've got four kids and they all want stuff. But the moment Christmas becomes about They demand it. We supply it. We have lost the sense of awe that comes from the unexpectedness of this season. Will you, with your time, with your resources, with your life, worship Him fully this Christmas? Let's pray together.